Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, your weekly roundup of the best action and biggest talking points in bailiwick sport. Coming up today, we'll look back on a remarkable win for Guernsey Raiders. Uh, Jordan Reynolds' men up to third in National 2 after a last gasp victory at Foots Lane on Saturday. We'll also hear from two students on placement with the Guernsey Sports Commission about what their role involves, how young islanders are being encouraged to follow in their footsteps and how they're helping GFC stay a step ahead of their opposition. And we'll look ahead to what's coming up over the next seven days, including the Guernsey Marathon. I'm Tony Kerr, and alongside me today is Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Rob Batiste. Hi, Tony. Great to see you guys. Um, let's start, shall we, with the rugby, Gareth? Um, yeah, you were there. I'm not quite I over it yet, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to be there, but uh, yeah, as I said on uh, we'll, we'll, Monday. We might touch on that later. Yeah, a, a slight uh, logistical challenge prevented me from making it back to Guernsey. Um, and I can't believe I missed it because it was, by all accounts, an absolute thriller. It was, yeah. Um, to be fair, for perhaps 60 minutes of the game, I think most of the Garen Sam were, were, were thinking, oh, this is going to be a, 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 the end of our run of victories because um, things weren't looking good. We were 13 nil down after an hour. Um, but to be fair, that doesn't quite sort of reflect the nature of the game up to that point because Guernsey certainly had plenty of possession. They just hadn't really been able to break through the, the very tough defence of uh, Henley Hawks. But yeah, and then um, finally, um, Guernsey, who, to be fair, they defended um, the Henley catch and drive really well throughout the whole game. Um, one of our own catch and drives got over the line. Tom Sealham, typically, this whole pile of bodies goes over the line. You're wondering who's got the ball. And it's always Tom Sealham who comes up with it. Um, Dan Rice converted. A similar thing happened not that long after. Guernsey were 14-13 ahead. They were then 16-14 down with about three minutes to go when they gave away a penalty. And you're thinking, oh, that's, that's going to be a very tough one to come back from with only a couple of minutes of play left. Um, and then, somehow, Guernsey managed or opted to put a, sort of a, an up-and-under kick away and basically gave possession away. And you're thinking, that is definitely it now. They managed to win the ball back... In rugby, you don't sort of have injury time. You, you play until the ball goes dead. And they basically managed to keep the ball alive for the next five minutes before Dan Rice had the chance to kick a what was actually... It was a very sort of straightforward penalty in most normal circumstances. But when you're in the 85th minute of the game, you've got a kick to win and the sort of a 1,000 people in the garrison stand are deadly silent. You, I'd hate to be under that sort of pressure. But fair play to him. He, he knocked it over sweetly and it was a... It was a very, very hard-fought and well-earned victory for Guernsey. Um, and one which, for once, Jordan Reynolds wasn't there to see. Poor Jordy. <laughs> um, um, he was actually sort of in isolation while he awaited the results of a PCR test. Um, I've spoken to him this morning. He, he is negative, though, or he's, um, uh, he is back out of isolation now. But um, he, he very magnanimously said, well, basically all the coaching is done on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He, he doesn't think he would have made much difference if he'd been on the sideline anyway. So... Um, uh, he's given the players all the credit for that one. Probably good for his blood pressure in the end. <laughs> yes, uh, it was. It was certainly one which um, Malcolm Barnes, who was sort of in charge on the day, uh, Malcolm is the sort of bloke who will just always be smiling. So he managed to take it quite well. I'd have loved to have seen what Geordie's reaction would have been if he'd have been on the sideline straight after that game. Well, you grabbed a word with uh, Malcolm uh, at full time. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean it's a tough one. We knew coming in it was going to be very, very tough. Yeah. And I mean, they fought the whole 80 minutes and um, we knew we were going to have to play the whole 80 minutes. Coming in at half time, I mean, we were probably in that 22 for six or seven chances coming away with absolutely nothing. So um, for the boys to stay in for 80 minutes, get the penalty at the end to close it out by a couple of points, we'll take it. 
What was the sort of message at half-time? Like you said, you had some decent possession first half with no points. I mean, was it a case of don't panic, boys? Yeah, it was along those lines, but it was some simple things like we were carrying off nine and we were missing cleans, which is really not our thing. We're really physical in that tight game and we were a little bit uh, sloppy on that. And then um, just our composure in the 22 wasn't quite there, so we just had to keep our level head. We're going wide too early. The idea is to suck them in and then play wide, and I think we're just getting too excited. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, second half, obviously, sort of catch and drive has always been a bit of a weapon for us. Um, getting those chances down there, are you confident we'll get a couple of them over the line? Look, you give, you give any team enough opportunities and they're going to get a couple, right? So we probably had about 12 or 13 opportunities and we got two or three, so I mean, we'll take it. But I'm really happy with how the drive went today. The Henley have got one of the better drivers in their comp, so we knew it was going to be pretty tough up front. And I think our forward back did very, very well. Um, obviously, Tom Sealham used to score in a few tries like that, so um, that's yeah. not that much of a surprise. But obviously, Dan Rice came in under... Pressure is the wrong word, but, you know, taking a 10 roll, couldn't have asked much more at the end, could you? Not at all. I mean, Dan, to be fair, all season's really stepping up in that seven jersey. He's been playing well all week. So, I mean, no greater man to score a try like that in a game like that. <laughs> and the kick at the end. We, I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't too difficult in normal circumstances, but in the 85th minute of a game where you need to score it, were you confident that Dan would knock it over? Look, I think Dan's been growing very well. Um, you know, obviously with no OT at 10 today, so he really stepped into those boots well. Um, I mean, he nailed the first two. I think were, were actually a little bit more difficult, but yeah. um, he does strike it very well off the tee, so I'm uh, very glad that he got it. <laughs> and this win now, I mean, six from six, or six in a row, I should say. Yep. Um, this was almost like going to be almost like the biggest test so far of where you are at, as a group and whatever. So you've actually passed the test, then. Well, I mean, it's a long road to the end of the season, yeah. so we don't want to count our chickens too early, but... <laughs> Um, they were they were a very difficult side, very formidable team in uh, in that too. So um, I mean we're very glad to get the win, and very glad to get the win on a nice day in front of our supporters here at Fitz Lane. Are we serious contenders, Gareth? Judging by the results so far and who we've got to play, you'd have to suggest we we must be aiming sort of top five, top six. I don't think as yet we can definitely say we're title contenders. Henley were. Um, having spoken to Jordan this morning, Henley were the toughest side we've played so far. He, he rates them as a better side than Worthing, who are currently top and who we lost to. That's the only side we've lost to, Worthing. Um, I think this weekend we're away at Hinkley, which will be a decent test, but they're not sort of flying high at the moment. Um, Red Ruth must be the title favourites, and they're here on the last Saturday of the month. So that's going to be when when where Guernsey Sand is going to be really tested and see how we're going. Um, unfortunately, we've lost Sam Stevenson for possibly up to six weeks. He got injured during the game last week. He's actually fractured um, his tibia. Um, so that's a, that's a big blow for Raiders. At the moment, we've got pretty decent cover in the front row. But I hear Cameron Crane is back in action. He's well, veteran, he's back on the bench. Be- veteran performer. Yeah, he's back on the bench again. Um, Crane. He's uh, he's one who I think tried to retire every. He's been retired season. for about ten years. Yeah, every season for about the last half dozen. At the end of the season, he said it's his last, and yet he keeps appearing on team sheets. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, I have seen Craney more often than not at golf these days, so I think he is trying to um, step aside. But um, whenever any prop gets injured, Craney's the first port of call for the coaching <laughs> side, so he'll be on the bench again. You must this look weekend. at the number, Jordy, and just think, oh, yeah, the phone goes. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. 
But um, I think things have gone probably better than what most of us on the outside would have anticipated. I mean, Jordan, he's always keeps his car close to his chest as to what he thought we could have achieved so far. But to win six out of seven, in, including five... Well, we've had five games on the road. Our loss did come on the road. That's a, that's a great start. And if we can just build the momentum from here and... Fingers crossed, not get too many injuries, although our squad depth is certainly a heck of a lot better than it was last time we were in National 2. Um, I'd say right now, yeah, top five is probably a realistic goal. And talking the Raiders, I popped down to their training session a couple of weeks ago, and one thing that struck me, apart from the actual sheer numbers of people actually in training, there were, I think that night there were 28 Vikings training, which is incredible, plus all the Raiders squad, was the, um, the floodlights down there. They've spent a lot of money um, behind the scenes a year or so ago um, on new upgrading the old pitch at Footslane. And I have to say, the Footslane floodlights are on the old pitch are really, really good quality. I would say they're probably only bettered by the actual main pitch lights in terms of um, in lighting and Guernsey sports grounds. They really are good. And I'm told they are a big game changer as far as the club's concerned in terms of actually, you know, working towards, you know, working on games and um, and planning ahead. So Yeah, money well spent for sure. Because, I mean, it used to be a bog down there. They've obviously improved the drainage. And the, the, the previous floodlights, I mean, it was like just kind of twilight, wasn't it? It was a twilight well, basically, zone. Yeah, basically, I mean, like I say, the drainage is a, is a big thing now. So hopefully that's sorted. But, yeah, they basically used to have some of those, like, um, transportable sort of floodlights on there, little... Um, it's almost like a cherry picker stand thing and um, yeah if, if you were under them within about five meters of them they were perhaps usable but um, yeah like you say Rob now that it's it's a proper it's a proper facility down there for them now for training which is um, much needed. Yeah the progress down there continues apace and um, as you say Raiders off to Hinkley this weekend Hinkley third from bottom um, and then into a very big couple of weekends uh, Red Ruth as Gareth you were saying you know one of the if not the favourites this season come to Footslay on the 30th of October and then the week after that it's the Siam Cup so big day. Uh, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks I think next week we're going to be joined by the Armstrong brothers so keep an ear out for that um, on this podcast um, let's leave the rugby there for now because we're going to be talking a lot of rugby in the next couple of weeks as we say um, Rob what's your highlight of the week anything stood out for you? Yeah well we've just been talking about clubs making progress and on the football side of things um one club is making outstanding progress in recent times, I feel, in many, many ways. And it's not really always, it's not overly apparent in terms of successes on the pitch, etc. But it's Sylvans. Um, of course, they won the FA Cup back in June and that, that glorious sum, summer's afternoon at Corbett Field when they beat St Martins. But no, it, they're doing a lot of great things behind the scenes up there under the presidency of Adrian Brown. And last Saturday morning, it was glorious Saturday morning. I popped up there to see the launch of this um, the Goal Fifty charity, um, where the um, the club have been asked and the club's mini section have been asked to get themselves involved in actually raising funding for young footballers and uh, and also just young people in general in South Africa in the Cape Town area. And it was actually terrific um, to see. Um, the red and white sort of sparkling in the sun and here I see so many kids running around and, and, and getting involved in, in this latest project. Adrian Brown's got quite a few things up his sleeves. Um, one um, imminent um, move will be to create a Patank 
terrain um, in the car park. It'll reduce the numbers of, of cars available, but uh, it'll be um, another facility for the general public around that in that area. Um, they're looking to create a bike park and a water fountain, etc. They they want to they see themselves as a green club, and um, you know they're fast approaching their centenary year next year. And um, there's a lot of great things going on behind the scenes. And some good youngsters, young footballers coming through. And they it's a very, very well-organised club. So well done, Sylvans. Oh, I approve. Yeah, great to hear. Um, I think I just want to have a quick word about cricket because uh, I know uh, there'll be a few people who have been keeping their eye on how Jersey have got on this week over in Spain in the um, European uh, World T20 qualifier. And it has to be said, they've done very well. Um, better than some people might have expected with a few of their more experienced and um, sort of standout names over the last few years missing for this one. But they've just, they've absolutely kind of romped, romped home. Some tight games where they've, they've got over the line and, and somewhere they've just blitzed the opposition. Yeah, the, this Jersey squad, they've been very impressive for several years now, but uh, they just seem to know their jobs really well and they can execute their plans, which is basically the key to T20 cricket. I mean, you, you might occasionally get someone, a batsman go in and, and blast 50 off 20 balls and you can't do an awful lot about it sometimes. But, I mean, Jersey this week or over the last uh, five games that they've won, They've basically restricted their opposition to very few runs. And if you can do that in T20, you're always going to have a chance. I mean, it's based on outstanding fielding. They're a really good fielding unit. Um, bowlers who know their jobs and are executing those roles. And once you've done that, if you're, only, if you're chasing less than sort of six and over in a T20 game, you, more often than not, you're going to win. And they've done really well. Like you say, Tony, they're missing um, some of their big name players. I mean, ben Stevens isn't out there. Um, Corey Bisson's not playing at the moment for them uh, and yet they're still getting the job done and quite comfortably as well they'll be crowned champions of that tournament the third time they've won that tournament in a row and so they'll be going to the, the global qualifier again and it, it's just an amazing opportunity um, that they've earned for themselves uh, to be on that platform and at that stage and, and, and that big global qualifier for the next tournament obviously it's something that I'm sure uh, Guernsey would dearly love to have been involved in this tournament I know um, yeah, COVID slightly scuppered any hopes they had for international cricket. This, well, very much scuppered their hopes for international cricket this summer. I can't believe, um, Tony, that um, Guernsey uh, are too far away. Jersey, I know. You know, you look at the personnel. Yes, they've done fantastically well. They are, as Gareth said, absolutely brilliant team in the field. But you know, you look at their bowling attack, and you know, there's nothing that's going to really, really worry you too much in terms of pace or anything like that just obviously very 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 disciplined team um and um got some explosive batsmen but you know i think if guernsey are best well prepared and we've got their best players playing i think you know we can't be we're not a far far adrift in. i think um jersey's bowling attack it's what I, pretty much all of them i'd look at and they, i'd describe them as sort of awkward bowlers to get away they just they hit a length they're not they're not express pace but they're not slow either they sort of they get on the back bat a bit quicker than you expect, especially they've got an outstanding uh, wicketkeeper in Jake Dunford as well. So I bet he's pretty much spent the whole week standing up to the stumps, and that always makes life difficult for batsmen. Um, I'm going Looking ahead, like you say, I, I don't think Guernsey is particularly that far behind them. Batting-wise, we, we're pretty even with them. Bowling-wise, but I'm interested to see sort of how we get on in future with the likes of um, Luke Bishard, who hasn't really had the chance to represent Guernsey much because of covid um, but he's a sort of a he's almost a jersey type bowler in that he will hit the top of or something you know what you're going to get from him you can set a feel to him 
Um, and then hopefully a couple of others will, will come along those lines as well. But you don't need to be an exceptional sort of express bowler to um, to make an impact at, at T20 cricket, as Jersey have been showing this week. Yeah, and it seems a lot of these pitches they're playing, these sort of tournaments on in the Middle East are pretty lifeless, aren't they? And they, it suits sort of sl- slowish mid- medium bowling and slow bowling generally. Yeah, yeah. you, you don't need to be a, an 85, 90 mile an hour It makes bowler. for dull yeah. cricket, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations to, to Jersey, uh, uh, a fine achievement for sure. And I'm sure um, Guernsey's leading cricketers will be watching on uh, with envy this week, desperate for an opportunity to get out and, and pull on uh, the green of Guernsey again at some point in the not-too-distant future. Uh, now, one man who, who's had a big impact on Guernsey cricket, um, or had a big impact on Guernsey cricket, is Nick Pothis. Uh, since leaving his role as island coach, he's gone on to work with several national teams, including West Indies and Sri Lanka, uh, several franchises as well, the latest being the Trent Rocket, this summer in the 100 uh, and he's recently stepped away from his job as assistant coach at Middlesex uh, he was back in the island recently uh, as the guest at this year's end of season awards uh, and he was roped in to do a few coaching sessions as well while he was here which is where uh, Gareth uh, caught up with him welcome back <laughs> <laughs> bloody good to be back <laughs> good to travel somewhere yeah it's nice yeah. Um, I know it's been a little while since you were sort of Guernsey's director of cricket can you almost briefly sort of sum up what you've been up to since you left here yeah i mean it, it's sort of been a bit of a whirlwind so um from here my last year i was doing stuff at sussex yeah um i was then director of cricket um director of the academy sorry at, at leicestershire mm-hmm. um and then graham ford picked me up to go to sri lanka i was at leicester for six months and then i went across to sri lanka for three years as their um, fielding coach i then became their interim head coach then across the west indies as fielding coach interim head coach across to Middlesex as assistant coach and now uh, unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how quickly cricket changes. Yeah (laughs) really quick really quick and um, you know I'm I'm the kind of person who likes new challenges you know once you get to a place and you you sort of know that you've got them to a place where you probably need a new voice or I need a new scenery so um, so yeah three years in in any one place I think is is probably a pretty good lifespan for for any coach. Yeah sure yeah. Um, from your time here and what you've then gone on to, obviously, sort of national jobs and what have you, um, is there anything you've taken from your experiences here that you've been able to sort of employ where you've gone to? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's just that everybody's different. Yeah. Um, and treating individuals as individuals, you know, something simple like a fitness test. You know, you're not going to make Chris Gale do the same fitness yeah. test that you'd get Robman Powell to do or, or Shea Hope, you know. Um, and, and by the same token, it's how you communicate with people and, you know, how people like to take their communication. Do they need to know right now why they're doing something or do they need to know in the future what that something is going to give them? So, yeah, very much so. I mean, there, there was such a diverse bunch of characters when I was here. Um, and probably as an inexperienced coach at that time, I probably try to pigeonhole everyone and, and treat everyone the same way. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly I would do it very differently now with the experiences I've had. Yeah. Um, do you sort of keep an eye on what's going on in Guernsey cricket since you've moved away? A hundred percent, yeah, yeah, very much so. So, um, yeah, I have kept an eye on it, um, and you know, being at the dinner the other night and talking to people, as you know, Guernsey is a very small place, so um, you do get opinion <laughs> spread your way very quickly from from very many quarters. Um, but you do get to paint, you do get a, a pretty clear picture as to um, what the overriding opinion is. Yeah. Um, 
can you sort of briefly sum up as what you've sort of done in terms of cricket in your brief visit here? Um, not a lot really. Um, I did a, a batting sort of masterclass on on the Saturday. I was over. Um, obviously, did the dinner on on Friday night. Yeah. Um, then did a batting masterclass um, on the Saturday, and then um, some educational stuff. Well, uh, keeping one on Sunday, right. and then um, an, an educational one for the for the coaches because I think it's it's quite important if you can tap into coaches, you you can. You can help a vast array of players um, way more than just doing a coaching session for players. So if we could help the coaches in various ways, then and hopefully that drips through um, Guernsey cricket. Yeah, sure. Uh, you've also had the chance to catch up with a few people like that. Um, a quick word for um, Jamie, who's now retired. He was your sort of island captain while you were... Yeah, as I said the other night, it was um, it was a pretty obvious choice because Jamie has the propensity to get people to follow him. Um, and even if he doesn't like doing something, Jamie subconsciously consciously so totally understands that um, role modeling any behaviors and and setting an example is the way to lead yeah um and he certainly did that so um you know he he served guernsey cricket so well over the years and and certainly will enjoy his retirement but um you never know um one thing i have seen about retirements is um they come and go people flit in and flit out yeah. and, and that's totally dependent on the environment and if someone can get excited about new environments so but at the moment you know he's he's going to relax with his family which is great um, i'm in the same boat as him um but yeah he, he was certainly a stellar performer for guernsey over the years yeah sure um have a quick word on sort of like on the, the current situation in the world with the pandemic i mean guernsey obviously haven't been able to play sort of any representative cricket for basically a couple of years now yeah. um how's how's that impacted yourself as well in sort of what you're looking to do in your coaching roles um it hasn't it hasn't i mean obviously there were there were new parameters set as to how we went about coaching and how we went about training sessions etc yeah. etc et um, you know when we started back obviously sport professional sport was entertainment so we could treat it a little bit differently where we could actually train um it's just how we were able to train so um yeah it was challenging at times um again because you've got different characters some yeah. not bothered about the pandemic some pretty anxious about it so you're treating people differently um i was pretty blase about the whole thing personally but totally understood the respect for other people yeah. who may not have been as relaxed about the whole thing so um yeah you've got to take other people into account you know some people have got some terrible stories through it um, and some not so yeah it, it challenged us and then when you're playing in front of no people um you know that was a little bit different you know every game felt like a practice game although there was something on it um and now we're pretty much back you know the 100 was fantastic you know it's um being involved in it i wasn't quite sure how it was going to go out um but certainly us at the trent rockets you know were embraced by a lot we had full houses yeah. so yeah, different. I mean, here you guys would have been challenged, obviously, with the fact that you just couldn't fly around the world and, and people couldn't fly in. So, you know, what Guernsey Cricket and Mark Latter created in the 80 ball and the 100 ball and just something that was a little bit more fun and, and just getting cricket on was um, was brilliant. And people being able to play, because that's all they want to do, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just sort of finally, looking to the future, what, what does the future hold for you? Do you know? Um, at the moment, at the moment, it's feet up. Um, I'm actually in my personal capacity trying to qualify for the CrossFit Games in two years' time. All right. So um, I'm one of those mad people. So a lot of training, a lot of time spent um, with my son and with family, um, with my girlfriend who doesn't get to see me. But um, yeah, downtime at the moment. But we're in a we're at the end of a cycle now, uh, worldwide with the T20 World Cup. Um, you know, the IPL's got two more franchises, and certainly all the other uh, tournaments are going up. Yeah. So yeah, if um, if something comes up, then I might do some franchise stuff. Um, and having spoken to Mark latter, um, you know, I'll probably be over here doing some consulting work with Guernsey Cricket as well. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah.
Nick Pothis speaking to Gareth there. It was great to see him back in the island. Uh, always got something interesting to say. And uh, yeah, definitely. Uh... <laughs> I still remember with Nick when we were in Essex for the, um, for the World Cricket League 6. And we won every game apart from... Well, as it happens, we ended up being champions because Suriname got thrown out. But we lost to Suriname in the final. Every game up to the final, I interviewed man of the matches after every game because Guernsey won them. And then come to the final, and we'd lost in quite controversial circumstances. And I sort of pulled him aside and he said, you only want to speak to me when we lose, don't you? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, as I say, great to see him back here. Um, quick word on Alex Scott. Uh, awesome to see him get on the score sheet for the first time this week, albeit in uh, ultimately disappointing circumstances. For, for much of the evening, I thought it was going to be my highlight of the week when um, I saw that Alex Scott had given Bristol City the, the lead in the first half against Nottingham Forest. And going into the 90th minute, that was still the, the goal that separated the sides. And um, about three minutes later, I was sort of switching between my, my Twitter feed and, and soccer, uh, Sky Sports Soccer Special at the time. And then I suddenly realised that Nottingham Forest had gone 2-1 up in the, in the 91st and 92nd minute. And um, as you'll know, Tony, because we were messaging each other at the time, I was not too happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd to think what Alex was thinking, because he'd, he'd scored and gone off with sort of 10 minutes ago with his side still leading. So, um, yeah, a bit unfortunate, I suppose. Yeah, well, a great moment for him. Hopefully the first of, of many more to come, I'm sure. Um, and great to see him back in the, back in the lineup. He's had a, you know, a few games where he hasn't been involved, but um, certainly making an impact there on Tuesday night at Ashton Gate. Right, that's it, I think, for part one. Work in a second. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're enjoying these pods, then why not give us a rating or a review uh, wherever you get your podcasts? Uh, it all helps to spread the word. Uh, now, if you look up towards the back of the stand at Guernsey FC uh, this season or on Saturday, you'll probably see a couple of young men in GFC tracksuits. Uh, they're not new signings waiting for their big moment on the pitch, uh, but they are helping the club off it. Uh, Kit Chapel and James Hancock are here on the Guernsey Sports Commission student placement, working on analytics for GFC, alongside helping to run uh, some of the PE in schools sessions. Um, they popped in for a chat but earlier on, along with Jeremy Frith from the Commission, uh, to talk about what they'll be doing over the next nine months or so, and how you can apply to be part of it next year. James, Kit, Frithy, thanks very much for coming in. Uh, really good to see you guys. Um, uh, let me come to you, Frithy, first. Uh, just explain what these roles are, uh, how long you've been kind of offering this sort of uh, this scheme, I guess, and, and, and yeah, what, what, you, what you guys and what these guys get out of it. Okay, so this, this goes back to when we uh, hosted Bournemouth University for a few years, bringing um, placement or bringing students over for a study skills week, which was, which was really worthwhile and we got a lot out of it. But it was also great to see how their students interacted with our staff as well as other coaches that we had here in Guernsey. So noting sort of the energy and enthusiasm and ideas that those, those students brought, uh, sort of conversations kicked off between the lecturers and us about the idea of student placements as well as an on-island degree and all sorts of things relating to HE and then these roles were born really so it took us a few years to get them up and running but we've had I think these guys are the third or fourth cohort we've had now um, two of them have gone on to full-time employment with us um, and we've had other students from off-island as well as on-island but it's it's a sense of really for, I suppose for these guys is to get a, a real working um, experience of working in, in sport, both at development level, but also around the sports science and the performance piece. 
um, and giving them the opportunities to get qualifications and, and that experience. From our point of view, you know, it's great because they bring the energy, the enthusiasm, lots of ideas, different perspectives to our own work environment. Um, and we've got a vested interest. You know, we're a growing organisation. We've got probably more and more opportunities. So, we're, you know, we're looking for future employees and to develop and grow our own staff as well. So, um we, we like the way it works. They get a nice little grant as well to see them through and we put them with some nice uh, accommodating families to look after them for the, for the, for the year. Um, so, so far it's worked really well, I think, certainly from our point of view, but you'll have to hear from them as to whether it works well for them as well. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, guys, I mean, you've been here a few weeks now, kind of uh, hitting the ground running, I guess, straight, straight into things. How are you, how, well, A, how are you finding Guernsey so far and how are you finding the, um, the roles that you're doing? Uh, yeah, really loving it, to be fair. Uh, it's just such a chilled place to be, really. But I'm not a fan of the roads <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm not either. <laughs> no. Uh, don't think I'll ever get used to them. Uh, but the role, absolutely loving it. And like going into schools, teaching PE, yeah, it's just really good. And having that effect on the kids. And you can see, even though I've only been in schools six, seven weeks, you can already see they're building on skills and developing really well. So that's quite pleasing to see. Yeah, awesome. And, and James, what, you know, as, as far as you guys are concerned, what, what's your sort of background and how did you, I guess, hear about these roles and, and, and come, to be, uh, come to be here in Guernsey? Well, I go to Bournemouth Uni as well. So that obviously is a good link, I suppose. So through the Bournemouth University Careers Hub, looking for a placement, this was one of the opportunities. And obviously at the start, because it's outside of England, I was thinking, no way. But then you applied and it's like, it's a great opportunity. So come here. And then obviously... The main bit that I was really uh, keen on was the teaching, like the P lesson, the coaching, that kind of thing. But obviously, this one's quite good because it does give that other side of it, like the sports science or any other opportunities that might not necessarily be my like go-to, but I might end up coming out of it and finding that's my favourite bit. So I suppose that was what I liked about this placement. Yeah, so real variety. Yeah. Um, so you're doing the school stuff. You're also doing some uh, kind of analytics analysis stuff with Guernsey FC, um, which sounds quite exciting. Uh, just tell us about that side of things. Yeah, uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so, so far, we've just been doing all possession stats and James has been doing all set pieces. So goal kicks, free kicks, corners. And then there's another lad called Caden doing the throw-ins. And it's really interesting seeing how Tony Vance, the manager, like uses that and how it impacts his sessions. And when they go through the like video clips from previous games with the players, it's interesting to see what they take from it and then how they implement that in future games. Yeah, cool. I mean, they've only played two games so far. Who's been giving the ball away the most? <laughs> <laughs> second, second game a lot of them <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly no that's uh, that's really interesting really interesting side of it so it is yeah hugely kind of varied opportunity and you're going to be here for a few months uh yeah till next july yeah frithy from your perspective um as you say it's three or four years into this kind of project um yeah how how has it evolved in terms of the sort of the sort of personalities you're looking for and, and, and where these guys fit in? It's, it's going really well, actually. As I said, partly, I think, the proofs in the pudding, the fact we've employed two of them so far, which is, uh, um, which is, which is obviously good from, from lots of people's perspectives. But I think also from, I mean, particularly the project with GFC has been really interesting because, you know, what we, what we really want to do as a commission is add value and also the whole piece around the sports science is about improving performance 
Um, and I think certainly Tom, who did the, the role with GFC before, um, added real value. And I know the piece of work that these guys are now doing with Tony is, is that it, it's contributing to both Tony and the management team's sort of strategic decision-making in terms of how they're managing players in the week and what they're doing within their training sessions. And the aspiration is that to improve how we're using the data and the speed at which these guys are capturing it to then inform sort of in-game decision-making, e.g. substitutions or, or, or how they're setting the team up. So um, we think it's working really well for us and I think Tony and the GFC guys are pretty happy. Um, yeah, and these guys have added a huge amount just with their energy and enthusiasm and I know they've been well-received in schools as well. So, yeah, it's it's... It's, it's, it's always nervous because we, we recruited these guys via Zoom, I think, two or three, uh, and we couldn't do the normal interview process we do. So they've done brilliantly to hit the ground running, get settled into schools. Um, and, yeah, they're having a big impact there and um, obviously in the commission and hopefully with GFC as well. Yeah, brilliant. And I guess Guernsey FC is a good fit because Tony is very into the sort of analytical side of things, isn't he? And, and, and probably more so than than you'd expect for a club at the, the level they play. They take it very seriously. Is that something you found? Yeah, uh, he absolutely loves it, to be fair. <laughs> uh, and he conveys that in like a really passionate way. And it sort of makes you enjoy doing the more probably laborious stuff that might not seem actually that important. But when you see it, like in the like team meetings that we have and that comes up you sort of get a bit of a, a bit of a buzz off it because he's actually using it to inform the players and hopefully win more games yeah let's hope so and obviously it's still very early days for you guys here in Guernsey but um and you're sort of feeling your way into things but are you already getting a sense of what direction you kind of want to go in with your own careers and, and what will come next from my perspective I would say yes in the fact that like I knew I was interested in the, especially the coaching and the PE side of things, but I'm actually like really enjoying it. Like obviously, every job has downfalls and things like that, but overall, it's like really good. Enjoying every, like every aspect of it, and uh, like uh, Frithy said, there, there'll be opportunities for more things to happen while we're here. So I might end up liking that more. But at the moment, it's good because I'm getting something out of it, and like my mindset coming into this placement was. Even if I finish the time and I didn't really enjoy it, at least I know that's what I don't want to do. So you get something out of it either way. But th thankfully, I'm really enjoying it so far. So that's oh, great to hear. And you know, I think everyone involved in sport in Guernsey is very proud of of, of the island sporting community. It's a very passionate place for sport. I mean, is that something you're already kind of well aware of? Yeah, I've found that because obviously it's like a smaller island. There's the opportunities. They cater for a lot more people. So I feel like, especially with sport there's sport everywhere really and I don't know if that's just because we're in that sport setting or if that's you know everyone finds that but I've definitely found there's a lot to do in terms of sport if you if you want it basically so yeah have you been impressed Kate, with what you've like, seen it's like when you go into schools and ask the kids what they do outside of school and they'll list off three or four different sports for and it's usually every single child and you just realize wow I wish I'd, I had these sort of opportunities really when I was younger that must be great to hear, Frithy. I suppose it's a testament to the sports cushions work as well. Yeah, and obviously we we know that there are lots of children that do get those opportunities, and I think from our point of view, we're mindful on those that we know there are that cohort and population in Guernsey that actually don't get those opportunities. 
they they may be a little bit harder to find but you know that's a real focus for us so um but yeah i think it's that the bit you do i mean coming from england myself is you know you kind of grow up as a sort of either probably having to choose one sport or stick to winter and a summer sport because the travels the travels greater um but here one of the one of the opportunities you've got here because everything's in a small place is that you've got lots of different things right on your doorstep sometimes we struggle with those extended opportunities for people who want to really focus on one sport um, but definitely the upshot of being here is is that children should and young people and adults should have a lot more access to different types of opportunities and you're not trying to get rid of these guys just yet but the applications are open for um yeah for for the the people that will um come in after james and kit um just just tell us about that process there's a couple more weeks to apply and, and is it open to to people on island as well yeah so you know we're, we're keen to attract on island students partly because they're a little bit easier to employ at the end if, if they enjoy it and they do a good job um so the process closes on the 12th of november um, if people are interested, they can comf- contact us at the Commission. Uh, we, we need a CV and a, a covering letter. Ideally, they should be on um, either a degree programme and looking at it as a placement year or finished their um, studies at degree level um, and looking to kind of explore whether they want to do a master's or, or go into, into a career. Um, and, and I think that's partly why we pitch it at degree level because we're expecting them to come here and contribute something professionally as well. And, and again, these guys have got two, three years of study already under their belts. So they they come here with, with an offer themselves, um, which we can rely on because we're putting them into a professional setting, you know, be it GFC or, or in the schools. And, and there's an expectation that they can deliver and be part of a professional service. So that's why we're kind of pitching it very much at degree level students and above. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for coming in, guys. Uh, Yeah, wish you all the best uh, for the rest of your stay in Guernsey and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Cheers, Tony. That was Kit Chappell, James Hancock and Jeremy Frith from the Sports Commission speaking to me a little earlier on. Um, Great to see these kinds of sporting opportunities on offer locally. Uh, GFC back in action on Saturday at home against Northwood in the Isthmian South East, hoping to bounce back from that defeat away from home and capture a bit of the the, the fighting spirit from that first game. Yeah, I'll be there um, Saturday afternoon. Um, Should be a good game. I fancy GFC to win this one. Northwood don't look anything particularly special. Um, and um, they actually lost to Sutton Common Rovers last weekend, which um, leads me to to conviction that they're nothing special. But you never know. Um, there's been some surprise results in, in this division. Lots of up and down performances. Um, but we've got Carl Smith back. Um, we may have a new goalkeeper in either Josh Addison or Jordan Kelly. Between the sticks, um, James Walker is con- suffer, um, out with these 12-day con- concussion protocols. Um, but no, I fancy GFC to win that one. It's just a great shame that they, we've got everything is on on Saturday afternoon. We've got a host of um, FNB Prio League games on at the same time. When will the um, the local football authorities get their heads together and realise that it's not good for the foot it's not good for the game and the followers of the game to have everybody playing at the same time you know it's crazy um, we're going to have three two o'clock games on Saturday afternoon 
and at the same time GFC are playing. Not good for the sport. Thankfully, Saints are one club who realise that it's good to be a little bit different and they're having, they've got a five o'clock home game against Rangers. But I'd like, it's about time you know, we, have some, we spread these games around. It's not good. Um, they're all at the same time. Well, away from uh, Foots Lane and away from the football pitches, uh, I suppose the, the big event this weekend is the second running of the rebranded, rejigged Guernsey Marathon that takes place on Sunday and our very own Jamie Ingrill will be on the start line. Yeah, he's taken a few days off to prepare. Let's hope he can... Um... Um, not um, pick up a stitch. He seems to have been blighted by the, the dreaded stitch, and any distance runner will know if you get a stitch when you're out there, it's nothing. It, you know, it's very, very, um, very, very debilitating, shall we say? Um, we wish him luck. He's yeah. in good, good shape, Jamie, and I think he'll be up near the top end of it. Um, and um, I don't see anybody um, chasing Will Bodkin down. Um, I suppose Will Bodkin's biggest enemy will be himself if he tries to go off too fast. But um, no, I think, you know, we don't, we're not expecting any visiting runners, surprise visiting entries, but you never know. We've seen them before. I can remember in the early days of the, um, the original Guernsey half marathons, we had some, you know, some surprise winners. I remember the, the Portuguese waiter arriving from Jersey. Nobody wondered who, the, who this bloke was. There's the old shot and Farnham um, had been dominating the race in the early years and this guy came over and actually wiped the floor with everybody but he was very good Jose Freas I seem to remember um, and then of course there was the other another year I seem to remember when there was a Guernsey marathon on, when it was run the start and finish was in Sumray Park and it was the days of Brian Brian Holden running staging the, the, the marathons and I remember being out in the course, following the leaders, and then all got into Summary Park, got in time for the finish, and all of a sudden it was we were waiting for this certain chap I, I can't remember his name to to come on to to clinch victory, and suddenly somebody else was out in front, and so somebody hadn't featured at all in the in the event in terms of actually being a challenger, and it it happened to be some chap who uh, who had. Burst into Summary Park through the um, one of the side entries. <laughs> 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 managed to look himself a bit hot and flustered, and then strode across the finishing line to claim victory. <laughs> it, uh, thankfully, it, you know, it didn't take too long for people to realise that, it, in fact, this was an imposter. Did he celebrate? Oh yeah, he celebrated. You know, I think we may well have even interviewed the bloke. You know, <laughs> acutely embarrassing. Turned out he had, he'd run about a quarter of a mile. You know, which brings me to another um, a great memory of um, distance races. I remember um, an August bank holiday 10k race, which was started um, and finished from Foots Lane, and on the start line this day was one John Gollop. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the top corner underneath where the hockey stand is now there is the field for the 10k road race and in those days it's people like Paul Wingrill, Jamie's father Pete Wickens and co who were the leading contenders and Francis Keogh I think probably won the race that day but amongst them was John, John Gollop in the tightest imaginable pair of GB flag um, coloured shorts now when the gun went, I think it's fair to say that John didn't burst into <laughs> burst into into speed, and um, shortly after, all the whole, whole the whole field disappeared. John was still marching down the stadium. 
short while later, he was seen to be catching a bus <laughs> <laughs> at the end of Foots Lane. Fantastic. So what the hell that was about, I don't know. <laughs> I hope we don't get similar sort of strange happenings this weekend, well, but you never yeah. know, you never know. Well, I don't know whether we'll see John on the start line for the uh, Guernsey Marathon on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it'll be a decent field, hopefully get good conditions. Um, could be a bit, bit wet and windy, potentially. Um, but yeah, what, what, what do you make of the new sort of new format Guernsey Marathon? Then? Do you think it's still uh, um, a sort of standout event in the local calendar? Well, to be honest, the Guernsey Marathon has always had difficulties. From day one, when it's the very first one staged more than 100 years ago, you know, it, it's, it's seldom managed to last the course, as it were. You know, it's it sort of come, in, come into the local scene and then disappeared a few years later. Um, this one, the course seems to be very agreeable. Uh, I, mean, I wouldn't fancy running up, the, you know, um, Cornet Street, is it? And then up that First up Street. Street. Straight up, 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 straight non-pandemic era to really establish it really and get good runners over to actually put it in the um in the in the mind of you know marathon runners across the world i mean we've we've had some some good runners but we you know i think we could you know guernsey's got a, a great reputation for producing good athletes and of course we've had lee merion running in some of the world's top marathons including the olympics um it would be great to see some really top-notch runners and see what sort of times they could do. But um, nevertheless, it's, anybody who runs, runs 26 miles deserve a medal, so fair play to everybody that takes part. Yeah, absolutely. And best of luck to Jamie and everyone else who's involved. Uh, on Sunday, I'll be down there with the camera getting some shots, so keep an eye out um, for that. Anything else going on this weekend to keep an eye on? Well, the Guernsey Raiders ladies have actually got their first home game for about 20 months. I think it's February last year they'd last played at home. They're, um, they're uh, uh, back in action on the on that club pitch we were talking about, the, the much improved club pitch um, on Saturday at one o'clock. So it'd be, um, be interesting to see because um, it's a pretty much a, a new look side these days to what it was a couple of years ago. So it'd be interesting to see how they go on Saturday. Yeah, great to see them back in action on home soil. Um, yeah, be popping down there for sure. Great stuff then, guys. We'll be back on Monday with a football podcast, looking back at that GFC game and, and, and whatever pre-action we can see on Saturday. Um, and then back next week, uh, yeah, as I say, with the Armstrong brothers in to talk rugby ahead of those big couple of weeks for, for Guernsey Raiders. But yeah, that's it for now. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Tom.